the scripture. All right. I'm going to be reading John 135 through John 151. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two whom heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was first found, his brother Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the land and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, here is a true... Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under, your, under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you. You will see the heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. For the word of God is in scripture, for the word of God is among us, for the word of God is within us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Michael. <clears throat> um, I'm going to take a page out of uh, Melanie and Megan's book this morning in my sermon and do an I can talk about sermon. There are three things I can talk about this passage that Michael just read. First, next level meanings in the gospel of John. I can talk about next level meanings. I can talk about quality time as Jesus' love language. And I can talk about how discipleship is like the spider verse. So Rex told you I was going to get wherever you are. I told you I was going to get to Spider-Man in this one. First of all, I can talk about next level meanings in the gospel of John. We're going to be in John for a long time. Uh, just as we do every year in the narrative lectionary, we spend a significant number of months, a number of weeks in the same gospel. And this year, with our fourth year with the narrative lectionary, we've got finally to the gospel of John. And John is the most spiritual of the gospels. Um, we get a taste of this, of course, just right there in the, this first chapter in the first Sunday when we had the, this business about the word and flesh and light. And uh, it's this, John is trying to get a handle in human language on what he believes that Jesus is. And so he talks about Jesus being the word and Jesus being light, um, trying to describe who Jesus is in history. In this um, passage that we just heard, it's full of questions and the questions too have multiple levels. So when you talk about different, John all throughout the gospel is speaking on a number of levels. So there's the literal level 
And then there's almost always a deeper or more spiritual um, meaning beneath what he's talking about. So beginning with, what are you looking for? These, these first disciples of Jesus encounter him through their teacher, John, John the Baptist, although he's not called that in this gospel. And Jesus says to them, what are you looking for? And they ask him, where are you staying? This back and forth of questions. With the literal sense of the questions, what are you looking for? Very straightforwardly, he just wants to help them out. And there's a straightforward answer. They're looking for this person who John has just called the Lamb of God. They're looking for a person. But Jesus' question also, of course, has a deeper sense in terms of just testing with them. Who, like, are you looking for something deeper? Are you looking for meaning? He's asking them to think about not only that they're looking for this person, but they're looking for the divine. They're looking for a way to connect. They're looking for a way for their lives to have meaning. A teacher who will reveal God's kingdom to them. And they ask him, where are you staying? And there's this literal sense of like, okay, so where, like, where are we headed? If we're going to be going to you, like, let's, let's sort out the details of, of figuring out how we spend our afternoon. But they also want to know more about Jesus. They want to know where he aligns himself. <laughs> they want to know if what he is doing is meaningful and if they can connect to it. And this, uh, this word staying is uh, connected to the word abide, which we're going to hear a lot more about in John. The disciples don't know the answer to the question when Jesus says, what are you looking for? They're not, they're still not totally sure, but they know that they've found something. Uh, and then we come to questions a little bit later on in this text when Nathaniel meets Jesus and he asks, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, I kind of appreciate his um, skepticism and sarcasm there. And he also asked Jesus, how do you know me? Um, and there's this straightforward meaning when he asks this skeptical question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He assumes the answer is no. He clearly has this idea about what Nazareth is like. Um, he doesn't think Nazareth is that great. But there's this next level meaning of, of underlying his question because we, the audience, we know that something good has come out of Nazareth, that something great will come out of this story because we already know because John has told us that Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the lamb of God. And we'll see in this text so many other ways that Jesus is described in connection to the divine. How do you know me? Nathaniel asks. It's the kind of thing you might say to someone that you think maybe you recognize. Like, do we know each other from somewhere? Did I meet you at camp? Uh, did we spend time at convention together? Like, this is the thing that you ask other Mennonites all the time. Like, what? How am I connected to you? How do I know you? Uh, and Jesus answers Nathaniel straightforwardly, I saw you under the fig tree, but Jesus didn't need to see him. Jesus knows them in a way that they can't understand, knows them in a way that he can rename them, knows them in a way that they will abide with him. Uh, so that comes to this, the next thing that I can talk about. I can talk about quality time as Jesus' love language. So. Uh, Love languages is 
are tools that uh, author Gary Chapman came up with in the early 90s um, to help couples better understand each other. There are five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, giving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. These are our native ways of expressing our love for other people and ways that we understand love. And we can't, and sometimes we're at cross purposes when a partner or a friend has a different way of expressing love and we, we, that doesn't come naturally to us. So for me, acts of service is my top love language. I think for my daughter, Naomi, it's giving gifts. I saw her delight at giving gifts on Christmas morning. For Jesus, it's quality time. Or maybe it's John's because John is the author here. But in this story, it's about Jesus staying and remaining with disciples and the value of spending time together. So these questions about um, who are you looking for? Where are you staying? Jesus replies, come and see, come and see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So it's very important to John. We don't know actually where he's staying, but it's important to John that we know what time it is and that they spend all day with Jesus. Come and see. We hear it twice in this story, this repetition about coming and being. And it's not just seeing with our, our eyes, but it's experiencing and feeling and spending the time with this other person. And for the gospel writer, this is really important. That verb remain, as I said before, is abide. And the same word when, we, when Jesus talks later in the gospel about abiding in God, staying with, it, with God's self. It's about learning from, being with. This is how we do discipleship. Malcolm Gladwell um, talks in... Uh, uh, forget one of uh, the turning point I think is the name of the book no that can't I don't think that's quite right but I'm sure some of you have read it he talks about how 10,000 hours of doing something is what what causes people to excel in their hours in their in their field so if you have spent 10,000 hours at something that it's that time spent that makes you an expert uh and that's that time spent on something with someone is what makes you an expert. It what, it's what gives you the skills. So for Jesus, maybe has uh, he he probably wouldn't mind uh, gift or acts of service as a, a language of love. He could probably understand that. I'm sure he doesn't say no to gifts. But it's really the being with the spending time together that shows both shows love and that leads to discipleship. I mean, being a disciple is literally about following someone, about being with someone. That's how a disciple can be a disciple. So then my final, my final I can talk about, I can talk about how discipleship is like the Spider-Verse. So there's this new Spider-Man movie. Rex and Sam are going to see it this morning. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but there are many, many Spider-Man movies, both, and comics and TV series, and Spider-Man shows up all kinds of places. The whole thing about Spider-Man is that Peter Parker, who's Spider-Man's alter ego, is just a regular guy. Literally, anyone could become Spider-Man, just like Peter Parker is just a regular student and become Spider-Man. I think 
it's most compellingly illustrated in what is my favorite Spider-Man movie, Into the Spider-Verse, um, in which, which is sort of about multiple realities of Spider-Man, uh, in which Spider-Man in that, in that, the main Spider-Man in that movie is this Afro-Latino Afro kid from Queens, New York. But we also meet uh, other Spider-Men. Uh, we meet um, gum-chewing Japanese computer geek with a spider bot, a film noir type fast-talking detective, this balletic blonde teen, and a pig, uh, all of whom are different versions of Spider-Man or Spider-Women. Uh, Spider-Man really could be anyone. In this gospel, Jesus introduces us to this handful of Jesus' first disciples who, unlike the other gospels, are not called by Jesus. They come to him through different means. They're introduced to him by their teacher, John. They're invited by a friend or a brother. <clears throat> and they all find Jesus in these different ways. They're from different backgrounds. They'll probably, it seems like maybe they're from the same town, connected to each other. And they call him and they know him in different ways as teacher or king or that guy from Nazareth. Uh, they all answer this call that's not really a call. It's more of organic. It's more loose than that. And throughout this gospel, we'll get other stories of people finding Jesus like this and becoming disciples. So just in a little while, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll hear the story of the woman at the well who becomes a disciple. We'll hear the story of a tax collector who sneaks up to Jesus at night to learn more about him. <clears throat> this loose assemblage of disciples are all different from each other, but all speak to the fact that any of us can be disciples of Jesus. In this story that we hear, Jesus actually goes by many names. We hear rabbi, king of Israel, human one, God's son, Joseph's son, and not to mention just in the previous verses, word made flesh light of the world, like all of those are ways that Jesus is identified. And we get some details about the disciples in this story, but one of them isn't even named. Uh, <clears throat> he's a relative to the others, but not identified. And that allows us as listeners, as readers, to place ourselves right in that story as a disciple there, staying with, remaining with Jesus. We're all disciples. And called to think about then, how will we follow? How will we be witnesses? How do we invite others along to see and stay with Jesus? Uh, so those are the, the three ways that I can talk about this story. Next level meanings in John, and we'll get to lots more of those sort of like multiple layers of meaning stories. Quality time as Jesus' love language and discipleship being like the Spider-Verse. <laughs> So we're going to spend a lot of quality time in John over the next weeks and months. I pray that we too may uncover the meanings that Jesus has for us in these stories. May we find ourselves in the company of Jesus and disciples with each other along the way. Amen.
Is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him love. The babe, the son.